Welcome to Codecasts, a podcast series presented by the International Cyanide Management Institute, the ICMI. Codecasts aims to provide our listeners with useful information about the International Cyanide Management Code and to help you understand some of the Cyanide Code's compliance requirements and expectations. This series is designed to supplement the training and guidance materials that you can find on the Cyanide Code website. If you'd like to access these materials, such as the standards of practice we refer to, please go to www.cyanidecode.org. You can also find more information on the resources referenced in this episode in the show notes. In this Codecast episode, we will talk you through the Cyanide Code's expectations for change management systems and procedures. This relates to compliance with Standard of Practice 4.1 of the Cyanide Code. Let's begin by getting clear on what change management means. Change management, in the context of compliance to the Cyanide Code, refers to changes of process, equipment, activities, procedures, or other operational components, which may change cyanide risk. So the focus of this episode, then, is about the different ways of managing and mitigating changes in cyanide risk. What does the Cyanide Code say about change management? In many cases, making changes to processes, equipment or activities requires a mind to undertake a formal change management exercise. However, it's important to note that this is not always necessary. The code states that a formal change management exercise is not required if the change of process, equipment or activity does not increase cyanide risk and therefore does not change the management or mitigation required for that increased risk. So, for example, if a mine makes changes that actually reduce the cyanide risk, then it does not need to conduct a whole change management exercise. In that instance, all the mine would be required to do would be to provide evidence that shows how they concluded that the change of process or equipment or activity did not increase cyanide risk. So, to recap, the first step in a change management process is to evaluate whether or not the change in a mine's processes, equipments or activities has impacted cyanide risk, and if so, whether the risk has been increased or decreased. If the change of process, equipment or activity will clearly increase the cyanide risk, or if it is unclear whether the risk will increase or decrease, then the mine should undertake a formal change management exercise. Such a formal change management exercise seeks to determine whether a proposed change, which involves cyanide, is already adequately covered by existing cyanide risk mitigation and management measures, such as hydrogen cyanide gas monitoring, personal protective equipment or limiting access, for example, or whether new or additional measures should be implemented. The Code's expectations for change management systems are discussed in the ICMI's Guidance for Use of the Mining Operations Verification Protocol under Verification Protocol Question 4.1.4, which states that operations should have some formalised way of managing changes to the facility. It specifically states that a mine's change management procedure should identify any changes to the facility or its operating practices, which may increase the potential for cyanide releases or worker exposure to cyanide. And it needs to do this before the changes are implemented so that they can be evaluated and addressed. So how exactly does one perform a formal change management exercise? 
The Cyanide Code does not mandate the exact structure of the required change management system or procedure. What is important is that the change management process effectively and adequately evaluates whether cyanide risk will be altered by the operational change. If so, it also evaluates whether risk will be increased and whether the operation has adequately evaluated the need for additional control measures and implemented those measures. Many mine sites have a single change management system or procedure which covers the impacts or potential impacts of cyanide release and release prevention on health, safety and environment. But it is also acceptable to have separate systems or procedures, with one addressing changes that may increase risks to workers and the other addressing changes that may increase risks to the environment. Either way, evidence needs to be presented demonstrating that cyanide risks resulting from changes to the operation are considered both from the environmental perspective and the health and safety perspective. Some operations also have separate systems depending on the scale of the change. For example, a corporate system may be in place to manage change for large capital projects, while a smaller site-specific system may be in place for more modest projects. The size or structure of the system and any associated procedures does not usually have an effect on compliance. What is important is that there is a system implemented where changes that affect cyanide risk are identified, evaluated and addressed. The change management system should also require written notification to environmental and safety personnel and sign-offs before the change can be instituted. This is to confirm that environmental and safety officials have been made aware of the potential change and have either inputted their requirements or confirmed that the proposed changes do not result in a change to cyanide environmental or safety risks. The code makes provisions for less formal change management processes that might be in place at smaller operations. In such a case, the code suggests that a regular discussion of all proposed changes takes place. For example, one acceptable system would be a formal weekly staff meeting supported by a policy statement or procedure requiring that such changes be discussed with safety and environmental staff prior to implementation. Any mine taking this approach would simply need to keep some evidence of the discussion, such as accurate notes or minutes. The Cyanide Code does require that the minutes or notes of such meetings should accurately record the findings and conclusions of the discussion on the status of cyanide risk, as affected by the change. The Cyanide Code does require that the minutes or notes of such meetings should accurately record the findings and conclusions of the discussion on the status of cyanide risk, as affected by the change. While this kind of less formal process is allowed by the Cyanide Code, there are advantages to having a more formal change management system in place. The biggest advantage of a formal system is that it includes structured checklists, sign-offs and task steps for the change management evaluation process. These can help ensure that a consistent evaluation of changes is always followed. If you are interested in putting the sort of formal change management system in place, there are many examples of generic change management procedures widely available for free on the internet. These examples can be customised to fit the Cyanide Code's requirements or modified to incorporate cyanide risk management and mitigation provisions. Let's turn to the question of evidence. 
An important question about change management is how much evidence a mine is required to produce for every change management exercise it undertakes. The amount of evidence required by the cyanide code varies from case to case. In the case of a complex project or activity, a mine may need to provide a full and detailed dossier of evidence. For a less complex project, on the other hand, a simple one- or two-page summary of the discussion regarding the change, its potential impacts, and any necessary mitigation may be all that is required. The main point is to ensure that the changes to cyanide risks have been considered, along with any additional or amended mitigating measures that may be required as a result of the change. Thus far, we have shown that there's a lot of flexibility in terms of the formality of the change management process and the amount of evidence that is required to accompany it. To get a clearer and more complete picture of what a change management process should involve, it might be helpful to focus on the sorts of questions such a process should seek to address. Consider the following example. Suppose that a mine switches to an ore that requires higher quantities of cyanide to extract the gold. This potentially increases the concentrations of cyanide in the process leach circuit. And just for the sake of this example, let's suppose that the mine runs separate change management processes for environmental risks on the one hand and for health and safety risks on the other. Now its change management process for health and safety risks should aim to answer questions such as How would this increase in cyanide affect the operators working on top of the leach, such as operators sampling from the top of the leach tanks or maintenance workers at the top of the leach tanks? Would hydrogen cyanide gas levels increase? Would extra personal protective equipment be necessary? Would the top of the leaches have to be declared a controlled area because of the potential increase in hydrogen cyanide gas levels? Would existing fixed hydrogen cyanide gas monitors or hydrogen cyanide gas personal monitors give operators sufficient warning of higher gas levels for them to move to a safer area or to evacuate the area? Do fixed hydrogen cyanide gas monitors need to be moved or added? Do any procedures such as sampling procedures or emergency response plans need to be reviewed and revised? Notice that in asking this last question, the change management process does go beyond simply identifying and evaluating changes in cyanide risk. It also calls for the review and revision of related procedures and plans, like the sampling procedures or emergency response plans just mentioned. This concludes our Codecast on Change Management and the Cyanide Code. We hope that this has given you a better understanding of the code's basic expectations for management of change systems. Additional details on this topic may be found in ICMI's Guidance for Use of the Mining Operations Verification Protocol, which is available on the Cyanide Code website. If you have any questions on this material, or would like to make any comments, suggestions, or requests for other topics to be covered, please send an email to us at info at cyanidecode.org.